1: Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you could join us for the broadcast today. Uh, We're praying that you're all staying safe and healthy at home, and we're excited to still gather with you. If you haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Lance, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Calvary. And this morning, what we want to do is finish a message series entitled Glimmer. That we began a few weeks ago in response to COVID-19. And for the past few weeks, what we've been doing is we've been going through the book of Philippians and looking at principles of hope from this prison letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. And when things get difficult, what we've seen is that we are called to be that glimmer of hope. And in chapter 1, Nick talked about, when there seems to be no hope, we are the reflection of hope. And then in chapter two, he said that hope shines through attitudes, not simply our actions. And then last week, we talked about the fact that perfection is the enemy of progress. And so many times we want to change circumstances. We want things that that are out of control. We want to control them. We want to make them work the way that we want them to work. And when it doesn't, we can get frustrated. We can get really agitated by that. And that's kind of the situation we find ourselves at this time in this moment in history. We can't control a lot of the things in our daily life. We can't control our work schedule, our paycheck, how fast unemployment works. Um, As much as we wash our hands on a lot of things, we can't completely control our health. Uh, We're not controlling our freedom uh, the way that we would want to. Uh, uh, We can't control healthcare system. We can't control government response. We can't control, control how the state and federal level is deciding things for us. I mean, many of our decisions are being taken from us right now and a lot of things are out of control. And what we're having to do is we're having to choose to alter the way that we respond to things. For example, I would prefer to be sharing this message on a Sunday morning in a room full of people because I love the Sunday morning experience. I love the shaking hands and gathering and feeling the presence of God together, together with family and friends. Uh, but this morning, I'm actually in a media room with Pastor Dave delivering these, room, these words, just the two of us. And this is definitely not my preferred choice. I mean, if he falls asleep, I've put everyone to sleep with this sermon. But sometimes the choice we don't want is the wise choice. Sometimes our circumstances dictate that we have to make the wise choice. And this is actually a huge theme in the book of Philippians. And it comes full circle as we close the fourth chapter this morning. Just as a reminder, Paul is writing from prison. And the book of Acts details how he got to this point in time. He was traveling the known world preaching Jesus. Again, you may be aware he did multiple missionary journeys. And the world was being greatly impacted by these journeys. Actually, in Acts 17, verse 6, it says that he was turning the world upside down with this good news. Believe it or not, not everybody thought what he was doing was good, though. There was actually a lot of people that were angry. They wanted him dead. There was a lynch mob mentality surrounding him. Surprisingly, the Roman officials, those in charge of the land he was turning upside down, they actually intervened on his behalf. The empire he's disrupting came to his rescue. And again, Acts tells us in the 23rd chapter that 470 soldiers led him away to safety. That's how many people were coming after him. But his safety wasn't freedom. He was led to multiple trials around the governors of the land of that time. And through those trials, Paul ended up ultimately in a prison cell. And he wasn't free in that cell. He was actually in chains. A guard was stationed at Paul's side, chained to him 24 hours a day. And they would change shifts throughout the day so they were, that Paul was never out of their sight. This is definitely a kind of forced isolation and social distancing, this new world word we're all talking about. It's kind of like that. But trust me. What Paul was going through, as bad as these last few weeks have been for us to acclimate to, what he was experiencing was far worse. Let me illustrate. Think about being chained to your children or your spouse 24 hours a day for two weeks, but not just two weeks, two months, and not just two months two years. This was the experience Paul was going through when he was in prison writing these letters. Listen, if you were chained to your children for two years or your spouse, COVID may not be the greatest threat to your health and well-being. I think after 20 minutes, my wife would want to beat me up. I'd be in trouble. Yet, from this prison cell, from the confines of this small space, this difficult place, Paul writes the book of Philippians. And it's a letter of gratitude. It's a letter of hope, a letter of joy, very different from the other prison letters Paul wrote. When he was writing to the Christians in, in Ephesus or Colossae, when he wrote to Philemon, they were written to confront problems, to address difficult issues from a difficult place position, but Philippians, it's a letter of affection, a letter of appreciation. Paul writing to a group of people that made such a powerful impact on his life, and they made that impact on his life when he really needed it most, when he didn't have a lot of support from other people or places, when he didn't have a lot of encouragement. And Paul writes this letter to return the favor. And the language of Philippians is him pouring out a heart of encouragement to them, a heart of appreciation. And that is so evident as we get to chapter four this morning. He drives home the main theme of this book, and that's this we can have joy, we can rejoice. At all times, regardless of our circumstances. I don't know if you realize as we've been going through the book, but in every chapter and in 14 different occasions, Paul uses the word joy or rejoice. Every chapter, 14 different times, this letter of affection is about encouraging them. To rejoice. And the big thing I want to share with you this morning is this we may not be able to control the reason for our circumstances, but we can control the response in our circumstances. We can't always control the reasons why things are happening, but we can control our response. Uh, Paul couldn't control the cell. He couldn't control the conditions. He couldn't control the chains. Paul wasn't making all the rules when he was writing this letter. But even though he couldn't control those things, he wasn't a prisoner in that prison cell because he controlled his response during that time. Let's pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 4. Paul says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, My joy and crown... Paul talks about these Philippian Christians and says they're his joy and his crown. And then he encourages them, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends, or stand firm in what you're going through. I mean, the very thought of these people brought joy to him. It filled him with joy in his isolation. It filled him with joy despite the imposition of being in that prison cell. As a matter of fact, he said he wasn't the only one that should have joy. They should have it too. Listen to what he says in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice always. The Greek word there for always, it means always. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, always rejoice. Always be filled with joy. And then he repeats himself. In case you missed it, I'll say it again rejoice. He wants them to understand that no matter what their circumstances are, no matter what their situation is, that they can rejoice. Now, the Greek word for rejoice is actually an important one. It's pronounced hero, but the word itself looks like cheerio, and maybe you've heard that greeting before, cheerio, and it means to be cheerful or calmly Happy or healthy. That's literally what the word means in the Greek language. Paul says, rejoice, cheerio, be cheerful, calmly happy or healthy. He said, this should be our response in every situation at all times. Rejoice in the Lord always, be calmly happy. He doesn't say every situation will be joyful, but despite the reason, My response, your response, our response can be joy. What I find interesting about Philippians 4 is the rest of the chapter is filled with what I'll call joy killers and joy fillers. It's subtle. Paul draws attention to our circumstances or emotions that can fight or fulfill our joy in life and really... He draws our attention to it, so I want to draw our attention to it, because it fits our circumstances. We're facing something that we haven't faced in our lifetime. I haven't. We're in situations, things are changing, so much is fluid. As we walk through this time, I think Paul would say to us, rejoice in the Lord always. So what are the joy killers, and what are the joy fillers? How are you progressing I'm sure you're not doing this perfectly as Nick talked about last week, but how are you progressing with these joy killers and fillers during the quarantine? So here we go. Let's look at them together this morning. The first joy killer in this chapter is a lack of agreement. In verse two, Paul says, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. These were two women that Paul had done ministry together with. They had worked together for the cause of Christ. And that phrase, be of the same mind, in some translations, it says this, settle your disagreements. They contended together for Christ, but now between them, there was contention. There was conflict. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that can kill my joy really quickly is conflict. It's contention. And the first thing I would just challenge you with as you're listening this morning, how are you managing your relationships during this time? Go back to Paul in chains for a minute. Think about his close quarters Think about how he didn't seem like he had any space to his own, how he couldn't control things. Listen, close quarters can contribute to conflict, and conflict is a joy killer. Listen, you may not be able to control the reason for this quarantine, but you can control your response. How are you managing your relationships right now? Are you making the right choices when conflict arises, when space is cut off, when things get difficult. Moms, when your kids just get you to the point where you think you're gonna lose it. Wives, when you're seeing your husband a little more than normal. I mean, this is a reality of this. Our relationships are being challenged. Are you making the wise choices during this time? Are you making the joyful choices? Do you maybe need to step back this morning after this message and have a conversation? Do you maybe need to set some things right? Listen, we can't control the reason that our relationships have changed the way that they are, but we can control our response to that. So that's the first thing Paul says to these two women, be of the same mind, get on the same page. The second thing that Paul draws attention to, and this is very familiar in this passage, The second joy killer is anxiety. In verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything. And just like the Greek word for always means always, the Greek word for anything means anything. Don't worry, don't be filled with anxiety about anything. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges in our everyday life. Take away what's happening right now. Take away all the challenges. And this is one of our biggest challenges anyway. Three or four years ago, I did an unscientific study on Facebook, and I asked people to tell me what the negative emotion that they experienced most often was. And I had over 100 people respond to that little survey. And I got fear, and I got depression, and I got anger. But guess what response I got most often for a negative emotion? It was worry. Almost 80% of the people that responded said worry was a difficult thing or a negative emotion that they experienced. And that's under normal circumstances. Think about it now. Anxiety is a big thing. And why do we worry so much? Why do we allow anxiety come in? Because it's our way of trying to control things. It's our way of trying to figure out how we can make things manageable. But worry, listen, worry does not control things. Worry actually kills them. Worry is a joy killer. It's not just a joy killer. Worry is a peace killer. And if we go back to Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, it shows us that worry is nothing more than negative meditation. Thinking negatively over and over on the same thing. And you know what that negative meditation leads to? it leads to a whole bunch more of negative emotions and our emotions can get control of us and that worry can become fear and that fear can become uh, a sense of foreboding or discouragement or despondency. And for all our worry, Matthew 6 says, we can't change things. No matter how much I worry, no matter how much you worry, No matter how much anxiety tries to come into our lives and no matter how much anxiety is in your life right now, listen, it's not going to fix things. I guess my question to all of us is, is worry running your life right now? I think another question is, is that worry then ruining your life? Listen, worry is not helping you. It's not helping me. It's not helping us. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice and don't allow anxiety and worry to kill that. So how are we doing with these joy killers right now? Are we managing them correctly? Are we walking through them correctly? Well, the good news in Philippians chapter four is it's not all bad news. The whole chapter isn't about the things we struggle with, conflict and anxiety and and worry. The good news is, There is other good news. There are joy fillers. There's things that we can embrace during this time that will help us to have maybe a different perspective on things. The first one is prayer. Remember how Paul said, don't be anxious about anything? He also says in the very same verse, verse six, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. And I would say not just the peace of God, but the joy of God that transcends, that is over all of our ability to figure out, manage everything that's going on, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, we have a lot of free time and worry is going to try to invade that. But Paul says the best thing we could do is invest additional time in prayer. Paul says, choose prayer. And in choosing prayer, you're choosing joy and peace. You're making the struggle, making that struggle that's there a little easier to handle it. And maybe right now, the struggle has turned into some doubt or fear. Worries compounded. And maybe as I'm talking about prayer, you're thinking, prayer isn't going to change anything. It's not going to stop COVID. It's not going to put me back to work. It's not going to pay my bills. Let me just remind you, and I have needed reminded of this many times in my life. Prayer is where the impossible happens. You know, sometimes the impossible is in us. And I think if I've learned anything about prayer over the years, is that prayer may not change my position, but it does change my perspective. When I go to God and I bring my worry, my anxiety, my conflict, all those joy killers to him, the situation may not change immediately, but my perspective does. Listen, prayer is a joy filler. It changes perspective. And that leads right into Paul's next point, his next joy filler. He says, start with prayer, but that prayer, if you allow it to do what God intended it to do, it's going to create positivity about your circumstances. Listen, if worry is negative meditation and prayer changes our perspective, then Paul says, as you pray, then you're going to be able to embrace positive thoughts and positive thinking. And I want you to understand what I'm saying here. I'm not talking about the feel-good, self-help kind. I'm talking about the godly, holy kind of outlook about life that God wants us to have. Listen to verse 8 of Philippians 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, see what Paul's just pouring into them. Whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things i think if paul was writing this in 2020 he'd say don't feed into the media don't feed into social media don't feed into fear don't feed into your friends no choose a different response choose the joy fillers what do i know it's true right now in my life even though i don't understand everything else that's happening What do I know is true? And what do I know is noble? What do I know is lovely? What is praiseworthy in the middle of this? Listen, there is so much good in God, and he shares it with us so that we can shine and there's a glimmer from our lives. This is the attitude. This is the approach. And this is the response that will create the next joy filler Paul talks about, which is contentment. It starts with prayer that changes our perspective, that creates a positive outlook. And that positive outlook gives us a sense of everything's going to be okay. It doesn't look okay, but it's going to be okay. Remember Paul, chains, a cell, less than ideal conditions. And here's his words in verse 11 of Philippians 4. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether I'm well fed, whether I'm hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whether I can go to work like I normally do, whether I'm unsure when my unemployment's going to come through. I think Paul would extend all of that. Listen, he's not concerned by his circumstances. He's not cornered by them. And he's certainly not crushed by what's happening all around him. He's content. Listen, whether everything is going just right or completely wrong, listen to Paul's words. These are powerful words. I've learned the secret of living this way. Ever wanted to know a secret? Ever had someone say, I got a secret and really, really want to know it? Well, that's what's exactly is happening here in in Philippians 4. Paul says, I've learned the secret of living a contented life. I know exactly what needs to happen to have peace and respond with joy in every situation. And he tells us the secret in verse 13. Again, a very a very powerful, well-known passage of scripture. And here it is. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. What was Paul's strength? Simple. He had the perspective through prayer. He had the attitude of contentment. God's got this. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He is good enough. He is faithful enough. You know what Paul had? You know what his secret was? He had a God confidence. I can do all things through Christ. I'm not conquered during this time. I'm a conqueror. And just like he said to the Romans, I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Paul, he didn't bother with joy killers. He focused on the joy fillers. And listen to some of his final words to the people that he loved so much. In verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to to the riches Of his glory in Christ Jesus. And to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I love the heart of Paul. I love the attitude of Paul. As he walks through this trying time, he doesn't succumb to it. He he doesn't just uh, survive. Paul thrives in the middle of it. And his confidence in God grows and he sees things different. Listen, God was big enough for him and God is big enough for this season. Just like he's been throughout all history, God has always been big enough. So you know what we need to do today? We need to trust him to control what he controls. Listen, there are verses in the New Testament that say God holds all things together, that he is over all things, that he is above all things. And we need to trust that to trust him to control what he controls. And he controls the reasons which are beyond us. Do you understand that? And that's hard for us to wrap our mind around, but he controls the reasons beho- that are way beyond us. So you know what? Let's let him control what he controls, and let's control what we can control. And you know what we can control today? Our response how we're going to allow these circumstances to affect us. Are we going to allow conflict to become greater? Are we going to allow anxiety to become greater? It's hard to wrap our minds around the reasons a lot of times. Many times we don't understand what is happening. We don't understand why it is happening. And we don't understand how or when it's going to play out. But I just want to encourage you this morning like Paul encouraged the people he was writing to. God knows, God sees, he's in control and he challenges us through his word to control what we can control. And you know what we can control today? We can control joy. We can choose it. I had a person tell me a few years ago, it was a counselor actually, a time when I was going through a dark time in my life and I was sitting across from him and the counselor said these words to me, you'll never find the strength to endure what you don't choose to enjoy. And even to this day, that resonates me. You'll never endure what you don't enjoy. And Paul, that's what he said 2,000 years ago. Listen, choose joy, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That really stuck with me. And I admit it's easier said than done sometimes, but it is a choice. And even beyond that, I'm grateful to have such a great example of this principle, this rejoicing principle in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me close with just a couple verses from the book of Hebrews. Listen and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Think of it this way. Let us walk through this time when we don't know when it's going to reach its peak. We don't know when the curve, as they say, is going to flatten. When we don't know when things are going to go back to normal. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for before us fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter the author and the finisher of our faith the writer of hebrews is saying you want to know how to live life when it's difficult fix your eyes on jesus and then these are the words i really want to drive home this morning for the joy set before him he endured the cross Wrap your mind around that. I know we're having a hard time wrapping our mind around what's going on right now. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We're getting ready to walk into the week of the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he looked at the cross and it was a struggle for him. He sweat great drops of blood, wrestling with this choice that was before him. But as he prayed, as he remembered that God was in control, as he got the proper perspective of it, guess what his heart was about the agonizing difficulty of the cross? It says he walked towards that and through that with joy. He chose joy. And as he Learned to enjoy what was really unexplainable at the moment. It gave him the strength to endure. And he scorned its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love the visual of that passage because it shows Jesus sitting down victorious after walking through the most difficult thing that we could ever imagine. And I just see him cheering us on right now, saying, you can endure this, but choose joy as you walk through it. Let's pray together today. God, I thank you so much for the example of your son, Jesus, that through the most difficult time of his life where he could have chose so many other things, He could have chosen disobedience. He could have chosen fear. He could have chosen anger. He could have chosen to run. He chose, Lord, to walk in joyful obedience, knowing that you had a plan and a purpose. And God, today, as we walk through this difficult time, as a community of faith, as individuals, as a country, Lord, I pray that you would give us the perseverance and the strength and the confidence to choose joy. Lord, even in our isolation, we are making a difference. The way we respond glimmers. The way we react reverberates. Lord, let us be the source of joy and peace and hope and trust. And God, as this week comes, may we take every day trusting you, knowing that we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. And we pray this in your name. Amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We continue to pray this week that God will bless you, keep you healthy, provide. If we can help in any way, please reach out to us. We love you guys. Have a great day.
0: This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have.